Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts and stars of this show, Mark Wiley and Will George. This is a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will, episode 291 on the network. Before I pass it over to Mark to introduce our great guest today, can't wait for this one. Um, we want to just thank our 50,000 plus subscribers uh, because of your support. We're now the newest podcast network on iHeartRadio, so thank you for that. We do these shows for you guys, sophisticated audience, so we try to bring it every week, as, as both Mark and Will do with, and, and their guests. Um, but 74 countries now, grassroots MLB front offices. We're just trying to build a better baseball IQ out there and wake the baseball world up a little bit. So um, with that, Mark and Will, welcome back to your show. Great to be back. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Dave. I think it'll be fun today. I think we'll, we'll learn a lot from Trip. Oh yeah, we get now. I'll, I'll let you introduce Trip. I, we, he got the greatest baseball compliment from one of my, my one of my favorite and one of your guys' favorite baseball men, Bob Schaefer, uh, referred to Trip as a, he's the ultimate baseball rat. So with that, uh, Mark, I'll let you introduce Trip and let let our audience in on what he's done in his career. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. We don't have enough of those baseball rats anymore, and I know how much Will and I and you, Dave, uh, appreciate guys that that love the game and go the extra mile in practice or in teaching sessions or, you know, and have a passion for it. And I think Tripp's one of those guys. And I, that's why we're so glad to have him on. Um, Tripp started out as, as a, uh, he was a <clears throat> outfielder for the university of Delaware was drafted in the 33rd round from the New York Mets in 1992. Uh, played four seasons, topping out in double a, uh, before he decided to go into coaching. His first coaching was uh, assistant coach <clears throat> from 1996 to 98 with the University of South Carolina, who was known for having a, a darn good baseball program for college. Uh, he was hired as the head coach from there at Delaware State University, filled that role in 99 and 2000. For several years, he then returned to professional baseball as a scout for the San Diego Padres before resuming college coaching role as a head coach at Wesley College, a private liberal arts college in Dover, uh, uh, in Dover, Delaware. Delaware. In night 2006, um, uh, he got hired for the uh, by the Washington Nationals. Um, Five after five years of coaching with Wesley College, he was named a manager of the Gulf Coast League Nationals team in 2012. Went to the Hagerstown A, a uh, Hagerstown Sun, uh, Suns in 2013 before being promoted to the Potomac Potomac. Oh, I can't say it. Potomac Potomac Potomac, <laughs> Potomac Nationals. Um, uh, uh, with the since since relocated to uh, federal uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, as the Fredericksburg Nationals, um, being relegated to Class A, they promoted uh, <clears throat> Trip to serve as a coach for the Double A affiliate at Harrisburg with the Senators. 
So, you know, you can see we're talking about a guy that's spent a lot of time in college and in professional baseball, especially at the uh, grassroots area where, where, where the game is being taught. And I, I think, you know, the first question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, you coached in college, you coached in professional baseball at the entry level all the way through the minor leagues. Um, what do you see in college baseball that you wished would be taught more to uh, help transition players into professional baseball? Wow. Um, well, first off, I really liked coaching in college, but I always felt like I could have more of an impact from a baseball side and as a, as a uh, coaching the man when I was in, in pro baseball because you just have more time. Um, so I guess the, the biggest thing for me that, that the college players come in with a, uh, a, a better, a better uh, handle on the fundamentals of little things like from a position player standpoint, bunting, uh, having a feel for uh, uh, throwing to the right base, hitting cutoff men, things of that nature, because I think the colleges do a good job of, uh, for the most part, they do a good job of teaching uh, the fundamentals, uh, bunting, hit and run, handling the bat, things of that nature. So, um, because I still think they do bunt probably more than, than in professional baseball now, because they're, they're trying to win, you know, they only have a certain amount of games, so they're trying to win, not develop as, as, as much as we are. So, um, the bunting, the, the handling the bat with the position players, that's the biggest thing with me is, is most of the college guys can bunt. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's funny because, you know, when professional baseball, like you said, they, you know, they don't use the bunt much. Um, they, uh, and, and it's, and it's funny because it's funny you said that because in, in, that's exactly the way I look at it is that college baseball is to win and uh, not necessarily develop because it's a short time. The college coach wants to keep his job, especially some of these high paying jobs. Sure. Uh, so he wants to put the best players out there and the fact of developing the guy on the pond the, that's sitting on the bench uh, into a really great player because he's got great tools that, that haven't been developed yet. He doesn't get to play. Um, you know, so that's why you see some guys get drafted that didn't play that much in college. I mean, at least when the draft was extended, uh, mm -hmm. you'd see guys that didn't play that much in college um, uh, still got drafted because people saw the tools maybe in summer ball or something. But, uh, you know, that in, in professional baseball, you know, we get caught up, I think, in the minor leagues so much in developing that sometimes we lose sight of the importance of winning also. I, I agree with you, and I, and I, I feel like – I've I've always heard that uh, in professional baseball we're we're trying to 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 make uh, big leaguers players that get to the big leagues and I and I say no we're trying to create championship big leaguers and I think there's a difference because you want to create that winning culture and we want to have we want to have winners and have guys that understand what you have to do to win a baseball game whether it's pitch without your best stuff late in your in your pitch count or move a runner or read a ball in the dirt as a base runner. Uh, to get to get in scoring position or to, you know, take an extra base on a throw, but that's all winning baseball plays that, that, that are big deal. And, and it's going to help you when you get into uh into the big leagues to have that manager want to keep you on the ball club. 
Right. Yeah, you know, I I wanted to weigh in just a little bit for somebody that covered the Nationals organization, and I knew Trip prior to him going over there, and always had a respect. But uh, his work ethic, his uh, culture that he created, helped them develop the players that won the World Series, and that was a big part of it, you know, and we, we, we mentioned Bob Schaefer and we mentioned, and we didn't mention Bob Boone who used to travel around. He had that, those type of people around him and the players each and every day that when I got to the ballpark early, they were working on something that was going to make them a winning big league player. And they played the game the right way. They played hard. And then the other thing when him being, close to Washington, they would have players, major league players on rehab who you could see there was a respect for Tripp and what he was doing. They blended in with the team. They mentored the young players to do the right thing. They did the right thing by their actions. And that's what caused the culture for them to go on the run that they went on each year being in the playoffs and winning, you know, culminating with a winning world championship team. And uh, those are the things that unfortunately are being missed in our game today. Hey, Tripp, what, what message can you give? We've got a lot of young kids in the audience and, you know, everybody has dreams of playing in, in the majors, but there's other ways you can impact Major League Baseball as you've done in your career in multiple ways. What's some advice you can give to them as to, how to, uh, how to get into the game, but the work ethic it, it takes not just to get in, but to continue to make an impact and then remain in the game. Yeah, I think anything that you do in life, you have to be passionate about. And if you're passionate about baseball and, and being in, involved in with baseball, I think you need to do everything you can to learn as much as you can about it, right? So um, it doesn't mean you have to have been a great player. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to have, uh, um, you know, played at a high level, but I think there needs you need to be uh, intelligent and and smart enough about the game, and you need to learn every, all the nuances of the game. And I think one of the things that that does get lost in you know as a coach, I, I've never been they've never talked to me about like me as a player, and and I don't really talk about it because it doesn't matter anymore. But I think having that understanding of being an ex player and knowing how hard it is to hit and how hard it is to be an everyday player, or how hard it is to pitch and you can make a great pitch and a guy get a base hit or hit a ball out of the ballpark. And I think that knowledge and that understanding and that uh, uh, those conversations do help. And I think that because this thing is hard guys, it is really, really hard, but it's not complicated. So when you can get those messages to these guys and and be uh, kind of get some perspective to the players that you're dealing with and working with, about how to go about, you know, fighting through today and being, you know, getting better each day, uh, making yourself a better player. And look, sometimes, let's be honest, young players, they've got to learn how to play every day. They got to learn how to get their bodies in shape, how to get their rest and and eat right and get, you know, rehydrate each day so that they're not having soft tissue injuries and all of those things that that happen in the minor leagues that you, you just take for granted, but it's it's not. It's a young kid that you have to you know, hey, make sure that you're you're talking to him about about getting himself uh, his rest and and taking care of his body and uh, working out sometimes before the game. Sometimes listening to your body and not working out before the game, working out after the game or whatever it may be. So um, these are all things that 
that you need to learn um, and young players need and young people in the game need to know what really does happen at a professional baseball game because you don't just show up at, you know, five thirty for a seven o'clock game. There's a, there's work that's going to go on and there's a certain, uh, uh, level of, of, of fun, being fundamentally sound that all these players have to have to have to keep being promoted and keep going to the next level. And, and you've got to help them as a staff member, you've got to help them get to that, um, to that next level. You've got to help them with every tool in their toolbox to, to be able to succeed when they get moved up. And I think that's a big deal. And um, the sooner you can learn that as a young person getting into this game, that you're here for the players and you're here to help the players, I think that's the biggest That's the biggest thing. But if you're always constantly looking for another job and to get promoted and you don't really care about the players, you're just here in it for yourself. That's a that's a part that I, I don't really have much patience with as a as another uh, staff member. I think that's just, good. You know, just a quick add on. Uh, I know a kid that listened to Trip. Uh, who's now on scholarship at University of Maryland and a high contributor to their success. And that's his son, Kevin. So um, <laughs> his, his, his advice does work. Young, young guys who are listening. Um, his, well, it's his funny you say that because my, uh, his baseball coach told me, he said, yeah, he, he has good baseball IQ. He knows what to do with fundamentals. And I said, well, he better, he grew up in the, he grew up in my dugout. I said, if he doesn't, you need to let me know because otherwise we're going to have a talk. So that's you say that. Thank you. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's funny. I like the way you put it. It's hard but not complicated. You that's know, yeah, right, Mark? It's yeah. not complicated. I mean, hey, can you lay off of that, that slider that's off the plate with two strikes? Or can you pitch inside and execute a pitch inside to, you know, to get a guy conscious in there? It's not complicated now, It's no. but it's really hard. It is you know, really hard. And this is the – you hit on, or actually, I think Will hit on the area that that you know you you were managing near proximity to to Washington Nationals and working for them, and you had some people come through that you could ask questions of, you know. And sure. I, I think I think that's exactly the baseball the baseball rat uh, comment we made earlier. When you have people that have a passion for it they're not going to be afraid to ask questions. They're going to ask questions of people that know more than them or have experienced more than them. And that's how you learn. And that's how indirectly how the players get better. That's because, right. And that's why organizations, they have field coordinators. You know, for me, one of the most important positions is field coordinator. And you probably need two of them. Yep. So you can cover, you know, there's four teams now in, in uh, with in, in pro ball on each team. So they can have two covered and going back and forth to see the things firsthand, what's going on, not just making phone calls about what the game report was, but be there and see and be able to be able to help the manager become better. And because, you know, you know, we've all been there player. There's very few players that ask questions. And in today's world, I think there's even less because they've been told what to do all the way through their life. Yep. Um, so it's really important for you to have those connections with a Bob Boone or, or Bob Schaefer, guys mm-hmm. with vast uh, knowledge, because they can tell you how they got to a guy uh, yep. that didn't ask questions. It was a really good prospect or, or 
how they gave that guy confidence when he didn't have confidence, but he had all the ability in the world. And, you know, that's, that's why, you know, players need experienced people around, maybe not even directly working with them. I know I was lucky enough to work directly with some of the guys with the Rockies as a director of pitching operations. I wasn't a coordinator. I was in charge of the pitching all the way through the system as far as overseeing it and giving ideas of the major league pitching coach all the way down to the rookie league pitching coach and, uh, and managers. So um, those positions are really important, but you got to have the right people in those positions. That's right. You know, uh, you know, one of the things too, you know, Mark, as you were talking and trips talking um, uh, because other people do the thinking now, the analytic people do all the thinking and give all the data and give all the game planning. There's no stimulation of the mind in conversations that we used to have. Like you said, Mark, I was always encouraged to ask my manager when all I had was a manager in the minor leagues, you know, why did you bunt there? Why did you hit and run there? You know, cause I wanted to learn the game. I wanted to learn everything I could about the game. There's no stimulation there. You know, the game is about, uh, launch angle, home run power, and 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and different spin rates and shapes. and But there's no stimulation to all the other beautiful things that the game has, which is, you know, hit and run, uh, you know, double steal, uh, cutoff and relay defense, putting on a bunt play uh, that works and moving runners around. It, it's like there's no no exercising of the mind and the conversations that, we had for years in the clubhouse early after games, having a cup of coffee or a couple beers after a game, just talking baseball. And that that's so lost in the game. And there's so many good ideas that are being lost. Well, you know, this, this is what I see, you know, we've talked about it on uh, some of our other podcasts for sure. Um, and you, you play, you put it real well, you know, the analytics um, uh, has become, such a such an influencer in the game and then you have to ask yourself why did that happen and you know i and hey listen if i was an analytics guy just as a pitching coach i was i wanted to do the best job i possibly could i mean that's what that guy's hired for and he's going to come up with his own ideas and and, and he ha- but he has to sell them to the leader and the leader has to have enough experience and knowledge to know whether it's a good idea or whether he should question it or what questions should be asked. And I think what's happened is that, you know, so much leadership, not all organizations, I'm going to say that, but uh, often uh, the leaders aren't experienced enough to be able to ask the right questions. So they lean on these guys they don't know why they're leaning on them. They don't know why they're they're having confidence in them, because there's not much of a track record on that yet. No. And uh, uh, rather than to go and and get help from somebody that that can give them the right questions to ask, that has experience in this game. Right. Well, it's it's funny, Mark. You hit on a couple things that I think are are are, are really important. You, you talked about the analytics and, and the way that they're the way that they're the prevalence of them basically right now. But I, I, I think we've been using numbers and data forever. 
you know, it, it's how that that data and, and those numbers are interpreted. I think, and the way that I've always old, uh, always wanted to approach the, the the data and the analytics is numbers tell a story, but they don't tell the story. You know, you can you right. can make the numbers sound on, on a player whether you like him or not, and you can make him sound sound whatever way you want to you know want to want to lead him at times. I mean, right. obviously Ronald Acuna and some of the guys this year, it's hard to make him seem like a bad player. But um, but my, my point being is is I think also what what gets lost on on that is when you take a guy like Will George, who's a fantastic scout, and when he tells me he sees something in a player, I, I go and look at that because he's watched so much baseball that now, oh, what, what am I missing with that kid? Or is he a good player and, and I'm missing it? Or is, is he doing something wrong and I'm missing it? So, you know, you've got a trained eye. You can't just rely on numbers to tell you to tell you something. You know, you, you watch a guy, how he's swinging in batting practice or how he's swinging in the game. Maybe he's, uh, uh, you know, not getting you, know, just missing balls and things like that. But you can tell he's on pitches and he's ready to break out of something. So, you know, you, you don't always go by the numbers. I think I think it's great to go by numbers and know the numbers because trust me, I do, I, and I, I try to take a lot of pride in knowing and knowing numbers. But I also try to take some pride in watching the game and seeing who, man, he's he's just missing balls and getting under it. But man, he's on everything. He's on every pitch. Or he pulled the ball foul and then he swung at a bad pitch. But we got to get him. We got to get him because he's right on it. You know, things like that where. I just don't know that you can oh you always have to go with the numbers. You know, Tribute. you can go with your gut at times too, you know? Well, you know, we've got lots, lots of front offices listening to the show, all of the shows, specifically this one. And the key point that you hit on that I, that I hope they hear loud and clear is analytics is not an absolute number. It's not numbers at all. It should be a word problem. It should be a story being told. And that's exactly what you hit on. And, Another point, which I want young kids out there to pay attention to, you didn't quite say it, but I mean, you can, you can tell me if you agree or disagree. Analytics, uh, it should not be absolute and it's not objective uh, at all. Uh, analytics is That's as right. fallible as the person who created the formula That's and right. they can skew it any which way they can. And I think you were, you were, you were getting to that as well, but how do you take a step or how do you now as a former professional player, you coached at every level successfully. You've been around some of the greats. You know, you know these two guys who I, I admire so much. And you mentioned Bob Boone and Bob Schaefer. With all that experience, how have you successfully integrated the two worlds together? Well, I think that's always a work in progress because I think one of the things that I found is people that look at me and my background assume that I have biases about numbers and I'm, I'm not receptive to, to something new or something, uh, you know, um, just looking at the numbers, you know, and I don't have a bias. I, I just want, I sometimes want to talk about why is that number important over this number? Uh, why is, why do you look at that in this guy, but yet you don't look at that in another guy, you know, things like that, whatever, whatever that may be. So, um, I, I try hard to be knowledgeable in all of the numbers so that when you have, you can have an intelligent conversation because sometimes there's numbers that I just, you know, I don't know how important they are and I don't know how much they're used and, and things of that nature, but because I still like the old 
fashion numbers of batting average, you know, from a position player standpoint, I like batting average. I like RBIs. I like on base percentage. I like OPS. I still, you know, love those. I, I, I have seen the value and expected and, and X Woba and things like that. But sometimes, sometimes I just like looking at a guy's batting average homers, you know, damage numbers. If it's a guy who hits in the middle of the order, I still think they tell you, they tell you a lot about a hitter. You know how I, I really do. Um, Strikeouts, the, the amount of strikeouts. I mean, I don't want to get off on 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 that right now because it's such a. I think we all are in agreement that the strikeout has become so accepted, and and that just pains me because it, because it's it's almost like you're 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 allowing that to just be fine that the you know the pitcher struck you out. Where, where I think we really need to talk about how bad strikeouts are is when there's a runner on third. Right. And less than two outs, and you're just accepting striking out instead of right. doing what you have to do to put the ball in play and get a get a run for your team. I, those are the strikeouts that I say that you know they can't happen. Now, obviously, I know they do right. happen, and you're human being that you, you you're going to strike out sometimes with a guy at third. But come on, we we got to be better at, at at an approach with a guy at third and less than two outs. Well, you know, it's funny mm-hmm. you said that because I think I brought it up before, but you know, I was with the Orioles and and uh, Earl Weaver. Um, I was with him at one time, and uh, Bobby Bonds, Barry's dad, was mm-hmm. was a, a good home run hitter, and uh, uh, he was available. And I asked Earl, I said, would you want to have him? Because, you know, Earl was always known he loved to have the three-run home run, you know? Yeah. Um, and I said, would you want to have him? You know, he would fit in pretty good with the club, wouldn't he? And he goes, no, I don't want him. And I go, why is that? And he goes, have you ever checked his numbers? with a man on third and less than two outs, uh, the last three innings of a game. I said, no. And he goes, he never delivers. Wow. And I yeah. said, and this is Earl Weaver. Yeah. This is the, right. and those the are the stats you're talking time. about. Those are the stats that guys looked at, you know, like, you know, I used to look real closely at where O2 counts went. That's right. Did the guys get on base. Did they end up as a three, two count? What, you know, what was it? So um, we always use stats, but I think what's important now, whether you call it analytics or stats or whatever you want to call it. Sure. um, It's analyze what's meaningful and what's not, because there's a billion things out there now that are tracked. Mm -hmm. You know, for me as a major league pitching coach, you know, I'm getting ready for a series with an organization, with another team. Um, I had my own meaningful stuff. I don't want to be bombarded with a bunch of stuff that has no use for me. Right. And, and, and I totally get it. And I've had to tell analytics guys that, you know, you don't need to give that to us. You don't need to give it to us because we can't use it and it doesn't really mean anything. I understand. I appreciate your effort in trying to find something, but these are the things that are most important. So you need to really go, when you're doing analytics, you should you need to follow guys that are in the war on the front lines and what they really need and what is meaningful. You know, you can put it in a book all you want that so and so had a spin rate during the season and he averaged during the games at this kind of spin rate or whatever. That's great, but you know, did he win any games? Did he get anybody out? Did he walk a, walk the ballpark? You know, those don't really mean anything to me. So that might be good in, in, in tracking how, you know, uh, how the ball is coming out of his hand, but it really doesn't tell me whether he's winning or not. No, that, that's well said. 
you know, that, you know, and that's, you know, then you start to clutter the mind and the mind uh, doesn't allow the players to react the way they need to react, you know, and, you know, it's funny, like we're living in the world where the analytic people always want to go to Kyle Schwarber. And, well, you know, look at Kyle Schwarber and the impact he has. I get it. You know, I love Kyle Schwarber. Me too, right. So much of what he brings to the table in the clubhouse and he comes to show up and he does have competitive at-bats even though he strikes out too much. But he does damage and he takes a walk and he does a lot of other things that so many guys in baseball are incapable of. So stop trying to be Kyle Schwarber and say that that's okay. And look who Kyle Schwarber has hitting behind him as well. Right. You know, he has Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto and Trey Turner and Nick Castellanos and Alec Bohm. He has impactful guys all around him. It's okay to, to have a Kyle Schwarber in that lineup. But for me to go watch... Unfortunately, Anthony Volpe's striking out the way he's striking out, and that lineup, the way it's constructed right now, that's why the Yankees aren't that good. And 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 there's and there's so many lineups you can point to around the baseball world right now where you know trying to be Kyle Schwarber when you have no chance to be Kyle Schwarber. Why don't you try to be a guy who puts the ball in play and can at least hit two ninety and hit some doubles, maybe? So. Did you see my Yogi yeah. Berra, Giancarlo yeah. Stanton post yeah. the other day where yeah. Stanton struck out 414 times in less than 380 games in the last three years. Berra struck out 414 times in 19 seasons with over <laughs> 2,000 games. It was ridiculous. Right. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. It's funny when you look at those things, you know, people don't even realize that. Um, you know, a funny thing last night, you know, we talk about uh, – I watched the Oriole uh, Cleveland game yesterday and uh, there was a point in the game and what's the, who's the guy, the guy used to catch for the white Sox. I think he was the, one of the talking heads. Oh, AJ you know. Brzezinski. I think it was Brzezinski. Yeah. It sounded like him. I never yeah. got the name, but anyway, he was talking, uh, they, you know, it's like a, a tie game or something. There's an open base, maybe one run game. And he's talking about what the pitcher pitcher threw a split. And he was talking about what he, you know, he should, you know, he needs to do this and that. And he gets to the point where um, he basically said, the guy doesn't, the catcher doesn't realize there's an open base. So, so he gets three, two on the guy and he throws a fastball right down the middle of the plate uh. with an open base. And the guy gets a base, you know, like, and I'm sitting there going, this is like one Oh one baseball. Right, and I was glad that he brought that up on the broadcast. He brought up other stuff, bad base running, and stuff. It was like real obvious, you know. There was a ball that was hit; it ended up being on the top of the wall and came off for a double. The runner on first base went halfway. He didn't even go to second base bag, and it's right in front of him in center field. Mm. And he could have scored once it hit off the bag, but he he only got to third. So like these are things that are just so obvious that that are happening way too often in the major leagues. Uh, Is there never being sure they happen once in a while? Sure. They happen once in a while, but you know, Will's brought up stuff on this broadcast that uh, stuff he's seen scouting. That's just unbelievable, unforgivable and happened over and over again. Yeah. 
and not not just me scouting the low A ball leagues. It's it's happening in the big leagues, like you just said, Mark. It's like day in and day out, little things that you go, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. Well, it is amazing, Mark. I wanted to. You said something uh, a couple minutes ago that. I wanted to respond to, we, we started talking about something, but you were talking about, about fundamentals and having uh, older players, you know, the, the rehab guys come through and, and how that works with, uh, with them um, talking with them and talking baseball. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, one of the things that, that I feel is important as an organization to have a successful organization. Um, and I tried to really get to know the way, that my manager in the big leagues played the game, you know, the way that he wanted the game to be run the way that he, what things that he liked to do, because I felt like, especially when I was in, in high double a, where you always had players that were progressing to the big leagues very soon. I wanted them to be prepared for how he managed for how Davey or Dusty managed the game. So for example, I'll give you little things like when I was in double a, the pitchers still hit. So Davey, told me, Davey Martinez told me that, look, Tripp, I really like the safety squeeze. So when you get an opportunity, if you get that opportunity first and third or, or, or even just runner at third, you know, I really want you to think about, I want you to do it. And, you know, I always had that in the back of my brain where I wanted to make sure that I was putting my players in the best position to succeed when they got to the big leagues. Right. So I wanted to prepare them. And I asked the bench coach, for example, do you like to play the infield in with second and third? Where do you play your infielders? Do you play them at three depth? Do you play them at halfway? Do you play them at four depth? Uh, how do you like to play, hold the first baseman on? Do you like to have him a step off the bag? Do you like to hold the bag on at, uh, with a guy at first who's, who's not a runner? Do you throw over a lot? Just things like that so that our, there was synergy throughout our system. Well, when they got to the big leagues, they knew – or at least I knew that they were prepared for what was going to happen in the big leagues. And, you know, that's what, that was important to me. You know, Tripp and Mark and I both were with the Orioles and that was such a huge point for somebody who signed there is that everything was done the same from Bluefield to Baltimore. You know, there was a continuity of how to play the game and the managers knew what Earl wanted the pitching coaches, if there were pitching coaches, they wanted, they knew what Ray Miller or George Bamberger or Mark Wiley wanted. And we, we had a continuity of how to play the game. And when we went over to Cleveland, we did the same thing there as we built, you know, you know, I, I was proud of being part of what got built to be that run that the Cleveland Indians went on. That's right. So those are, those are such important things where everybody's pulling the rope the same way and we know exactly what's expected. Well, that's why, yeah, to me, that's why um, somebody has to be around to hold the whole organizational philosophy accountable throughout the the system. That's right. You know, and, and you'll see organizations, we've all been in them. We've seen guys that have their own agendas. Sure. And, you know, the coach said they send a pitcher down to or a position player down to AAA from the big leagues. And all of a sudden, the manager or the pitching coach there, they have their own idea on what to do. That's right. And they're not going to and they don't do what 
the what the uh, manager in the big leagues or the pitching coach or other coaches wanted him to do. And to me, that's one of the things that really short circuit stuff. You know, you got to understand, you know, where the philosophy is coming from and how you stick with it. I can tell you, I joined the Orioles as a player first. And I'll never forget, we were doing butt plays. And Earl Weaver had this thing that he wanted. He made the pitcher cover more ground and not bring the first baseman in. Mm -hmm. Because he always wanted, he wanted Eddie and the first baseman to be on the bag. You know, he wanted guys. And then the same things on relays and cutoffs. He wanted a position player at every base all the time because he said what's happening in baseball, this is Earl, the Ricky Hendersons and these freaking guys that can fly for Oakland. He says, if they hit a single, we can't allow them to take a monster turn because they'll turn it into a double. So he, he did that by putting a position player at every every base so he would limit the kind of turns some of these guys could make. So right. uh, this was his philosophy. It was the Orioles philosophy. And I just came in and I like questioned it. And I said, God, I never seen that before. And they said, they said, Mark, this is what we do here. You have to do it this way. And, and, uh, and these are the reasons why they gave me the reasons, but I questioned it because I'd never been with the Orioles before. Right. I found out real quick the Orioles had their own way of doing stuff that other organizations didn't do. You know, That's remember right. Will when when Cal used to go way out on relays and cutouts yeah. farther than any yeah. other shortstop in baseball yeah. because Al Bumbry didn't have a very good arm, right. so they wanted him to take the long throw. That's right. A lot of organizations right. said, "You go right here, no matter how strong the shortstop's arm is or how weak the outfielder's arm is." No, they no. put him in the same position. So we did stuff with the Orioles. That was the Oriole. They always talk about the Oriole way, but what it made it work was everybody throughout the organization was held accountable and nobody short circuited right. with an agenda. Right. And, and, and I think we always did a good job of profiling guys at positions and having them in a place where they were going to be successful to do what you were asking them to do that all of our shortstops could throw. So they could be in that same spot, even in the minor leagues, and it was going to be done the same way. And, uh, you know, just, you know, continuity. You know, it was the continuity in Minnesota that built what they built uh, in, the, in the late 80s and early 90s when, you know, they were really good. And a lot of people doing the same thing all the time, you know. And that's, that's, that's so lost in our game, just doing the little things right. Uh, with continuity from top to bottom and everybody knowing what they need to do. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and, and it's not, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go, go Mark. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that, you know, the, the, the issue is that uh, people, you know, good organizations are exactly what you said. You, everybody thinks like you did. Like I want to do what the manager and coaches would right. do in the big leagues to prepare these guys. Um, sometimes there's tough decisions. Sometimes a, a, the director of player development is best friends with the AAA manager who's not going along with the program. Mm-hmm. You know, guess what? You got to make a tough decision. Right. You're going to have to bang him or you're going to have to get him to turn and start joining the philosophy because it doesn't work unless everybody's on board. Right. You're so right. And Mark, I, I wanted to tell you too, I think 
one of the things that we don't talk about enough when you talk about the fundamentals and, and throughout the organization is, is pitchers, you know, how they field their position, how they hold runners. Um, if, are they backing up bases? Th- those, those things that aren't so little that uh, are they quick to the plate so that the guy doesn't just steal um, that aren't so little when you just talk about a pitcher and his stuff and his, and, and his, you know, his velocity, his breaking ball, and you're measuring that you, you can't send a, a bullpen guy to the big leagues and pitch in a pennant race where he's a, he's a one eight to the plate. So as soon as a guy gets on, he's going to steal second and steal third, I mean, or he can't throw to bases. He can't hold a runner. You just can't, you can't do that if you're if you're going to play winning baseball. And that's part of it too. When you talk about being fundamentally sound, and I know I'm talking to two pitching guys here and, and, but but that is so vital and so important as you're talking about an organization and sending a guy up that it's not just what's coming out of your hand as that makes a pitcher. It's are you a complete? You know, can you field your position? Can you throw to bases? Can you hold runners? Uh, you know, do you have an understanding of backing up a base? Do you have an understanding of hey, there's a base open here. I don't have to throw my fastball down the middle. You know, from the story you just said and. You know, all of those things go into it, but that's in player development what we have to do. And that's what we have to create. We have to create the environment where they're getting better and that and that becomes something that that isn't a little thing. You talked about being a little thing. It's not a little thing. It's 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 part of the whole picture of you becoming a championship big league player. You know, uh I'll share a quick story about accountability with uh Trip. You were managing in Hagerstown and you had some prospects, I think Sousa and uh, the young Latin catcher that caught with the Orioles for a couple of years. That Severino. Big leagues. Severino. Yeah, Severino, maybe a couple other guys that end up playing in the big leagues. And the first two games of the series, you guys struck out 13 and then 15 times. And I got over to the park early and Booney and Doug Harris were there. And they were, <laughs> they were freaking yelling. I am so effing sick and tired of guys down, pinkies down on the end of the bat, swinging out of your ass with two strikes. While well, the next the next three days, I think you guys struck out like four times, three times, and five times. It was like, you know, we're not going to sit here and watch you guys with two strikes just give away freaking at bats. Uh, you know, and and but that's the accountability factor that we watch now. And oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we haven't hit a cutoff, man. We ran ourselves in into three or four outs. No pitchers have backed up a base. We didn't cover first on a couple PFP plays, but, you know, everything's okay, you know. Uh, let's get here early and check the iPad and see what's going on today. Yeah, that's not uh, – that's just not good baseball to me. I, I That's the part that I, I don't like about the game. If, 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 they, if you just don't care about PFPs or you don't care about fundamentals – I just feel like you're – that's just not that, – that's not what baseball is to me. No, no. For the money people pay to go to a big league game and a minor league game, you want to entertain them with well-played baseball, and we're not doing that as an industry. That's sad. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know, we live in a society where we're trying to, you know, create a better fan base, and they got to go watch a really bad baseball game. is not fair to them at all. Yeah, and I think I think the standard that we hold the players to is is, is what they're gonna gonna do, right? So if we 
we hold we have a standard of of how we're going to play the game, of how we're going to run out of the box, how we're going to line up um, uh, when there's a, a double or you know with a with a runner on or with no one on. We're just we're just going to hold you to you have to be where you're supposed to be. Otherwise, um, you, you know you you just can't you can't play. You know, you know, Trip, you know. Uh, uh, Mark's college coach, uh, John Scalinas, is the 17 inches guy from the baseball convention. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That we, that we talk about here on all the time that we just keep lowering the bar. We need to raise the bar. Let's start raising the bar. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, uh, that's what's wrong with our whole society. We look at the look the other way at bad behavior and we're trying to redefine what greatness and goodness is. And it's not, it, it's not the right thing. Well, leadership is paying attention all the time and learning and learning when things go wrong, you know, how to correct them. Uh, bad choices, not making that choice again. Um, we don't have enough people that, and you know, you made a comment, you know, baseball is not, I mean, baseball is hard, but, you know, coaching is hard too. Sure. But you just got, you have to have a system of paying attention to certain things, whether it be some statistics like an Earl Weaver or an observation uh, during a game or during practice. Um, it's hard to be a Johnny Goral or Kissel. Yeah. It's hard to be one of those guys. And that's why they were so special because they were kind of, on it 24-7, seeing everything all the time and correcting it as it went. I, I'm not saying everybody can do that, but everybody should strive to do that. Everybody should strive to help create baseball players, as you said, that are winning baseball players. That's right. And if something stands in the way and some player thinks because somebody told him that strikeouts don't matter, if you're a good baseball man, you got to convince that guy why strikeouts do matter. That's right. And why it's a bad idea to strike out with two strikes all the time and take big swings. Well, you, if you know, there's nobody that's doing that throughout an organization, it's going to continue. That's you know, true. The, you know, the other thing is uh, you don't see, and I think we all grew up in an era where there were in-game coaching and accountability moments. Um, That's right. Where you don't see that confrontation or whatever, that pat on the back or put your arm around a guy that goes, that's not acceptable. You got to back up third base <laughs> there. We just gave them two more runs. I, You know, that was not going to happen for me as a young pitcher, for me as a young pitching coach. My guy was not going to be allowed not to do his job, not to run a ball out. You know, like I, one night I saw a f number one overall pick in a 17-inning minor league game, ground out, and he was a plus runner uh, in the first and third double, eight, double plays in a tie 17-inning game twice where he ran like four sixes from the left-hand side. And I went, and nobody said a word to this kid. And I'm going, you know, he's he's under four two, all the time, but he hit he hit these ground balls and he did not give an er effort. And one ball was bobbled on the pivot, 
and they could have won the game and they ended up losing the game. Trip, how would you handle a situation like that as a skipper? I know it's unfair because the context, you don't know the guy real well, but what, yeah. what would be some modes of addressing that? Well, I, I think you just take him out of the game. I mean, that, that's not acceptable. But I, I also think that, you know, proactively you, you talk about that all the time with the, with the guys, how important it is to run balls out. So it's not, it's not yeah. just like I take him out of the game because he didn't hustle, but we're going to talk about that from spring training. We're going to say, look, if you don't run, I am going to take you out so that they're not surprised. And so that you just, just give me effort. I think any coach in any sport, what do they want? They want effort. Right. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that that's leadership <laughs> and culture that's created. That's right. That's where right. it's unacceptable. And that that's guy right. knows at that moment he's done. You know, it was Andrew Jones knew when Bobby Cox was taking him out of the game. He knew why. Sure. And, and, and Chipper and none of those other guys were going to go, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, that's bullshit. We don't do that here. When you take out a first rounder or a high pick or a big prospect, yeah. the, everybody on the team takes notice. Yeah, I promise exactly. you. Exactly. Uh, so, exactly. yeah, especially you in today's it, world. That's right. That's right. That's right. I don't look at yeah, I mean, you guys hit on something that I want, I want to touch on too, that I think, I think is really important. You know, when you talk about not, not wanting to say something to a player or being able to say something to a player, I hear all the time now with, with younger coaches and, Oh, we're, I'm, I'm not coaching. I'm just developing a relationship first. And, and, you know, the, the old adage about, they don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care, which I do believe in. Don't get me wrong. I, I believe in that. And, I, and I try, I've tried to live that in, in my 20-plus years in coaching. But I do know that sometimes I, I don't need a friend. I need, I'm not trying to, to, to find another friend. I'm trying to create a big leaguer here. Right. And if I need to say I have a tough conversation or, or, or you know, I'm not all about trying to make friends with this with a, you know, 21 year old kid, I'm not afraid to tell him like, look, man, you need to run, you need to run harder. You're not working hard enough or uh, whatever that may be. And I see too many young guys just want to be their friend. And and I don't think young coaches realize that you can still have a great relationship and a professional relationship with a player, but not, not, you don't have to be their friend. You can be friendly. And I think it is important to be friendly with the, with the players because you get more out of them that way. But, you know, you can't, you cannot uh, compromise your standards uh, no. just just because you want to make sure you don't say have a tough conversation with a player. How and, challenging and, is that nowadays? With because I get asked all the time. I, I spent twenty years uh, coaching collegiately. People ask me, "Have kids changed?" And I said, "No, I don't think so. I think parenting's changed." Yeah. How has your approach had to change? And, and I agree with you. I, these kids don't need fifty-year-old best friends. They need father figures. We're, yeah. we're seeing less and less of that nowadays. How has your approach had to change because of that kind of that, I'll call it a handicap where the home no longer reinforces the things that you're trying to do with these kids? Yeah, I, I don't believe in being their, their friend. I don't want to be their friend. Now, I will tell you that I've had countless players that I've, I've had uh, that, you know, are out of baseball now and, you know, whether they've become big leaguers or whether they've, you know, stopped in double A AA or triple A that I talk to and, you know, we send Christmas texts and, you know, yeah, you, you're, you're done. That's that's exactly right. I'm sorry. No, I said you, that's exactly right. You can be their friend when they're done. While you're coaching them, you're you're the okay. adult authority figure. Right. And and that means more to me than anything that we we have become friends afterward, and 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 they care about what's going on with in my life, and I care about what's going on in theirs. And um, I, I really hope that they respect me 
that's more than anything. And I, cause I will always respect them and they're going to know that I will do anything to help them succeed. Um, especially, you know, if they, I'll give you an example. Nowadays, a lot of kids want to know, a lot of players want to know why. And I call them kids cause they're still kids to me, but they're young men. So, um, you know, they want to know why. And that never bothered me. I didn't, I didn't look at that as disrespectful because I felt like it's their career. What can I do to help you get to where you want to get to? And whatever that means that I have to do, and if it means that you don't want to, you know, do it a certain way, as long as it's a non-negotiable, I'm talking about cuts and relays, you, you know, you have to do it this way. But if we're talking about hitting mechanics or throwing mechanics or ground ball mechanics or fly ball mechanics, you know, of course those are negotiable because we can we can absolutely let's talk about it and let's come come with the best way possible for you to succeed and 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 I'm I'm in I'm all in if especially when the player comes to me or we have great conversation with the player and you leave that room and we're all on the same page and I feel like those conversations they let you know the player then knows that that we have his best interest at heart and uh, and then I know that hey, the player is, is engaged and, and is on board with what we're trying to do as an organization or as a staff. And, you know, I think communication and healthy communication is always key in, in any relationship, especially the coach player relationship. But, you know, I, I don't really want to be their friend. I, I want to really help them have their, you know, get their dreams come true and make sure that we're friends after they're done. But I really want to get the most out of them. And sometimes that may, might mean I'm not, they, I say, I can, I have to say some things that might, uh, they might not uh, like to hear and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I would agree. Mark, you had a question. Oh, Mark muted himself with, um, and we're, we're coming close up uh, on time here for, yeah, for I, you, you know, I'll add on to that just a little bit, you know, I had no problem with the why. That's why you have to be qualified to do your job and explain the why. That's right. And and build a, uh, build that relationship of trust that they know. And, you know, Dave and Mark have heard me say it a hundred times. My old Italian mom and grandmom used to tell me, <laughs> those who care about you and love you will tell you to wipe the shit off your face when you look like an idiot. <laughs> You know, when you're doing the wrong things and we're just trying to make you better, that means you really do care about me. And that's how all of us at age 24, 25 realized how smart our parents actually were as we started to live life in the real world, that the real world is a different place than everything else. And you have to go perform and do your job at the best of your ability. And that's what, you know, guys like you are always trying to do trip, you know, and I think, I think you told me the story, you know, you went over to Texas and you heard the story about Chris Young challenging the team to take infield and Corey Seager asking him why. And I think you shared with me the reason why is because you guys stink. We miss the cutoff <laughs> man all the time. And you start showing me and your manager and your coaches that you're capable of doing it. Yeah, we'll let you not have to take infield, but until you do, we're going to take it. I and heard that have- story, and that's a great story because Chris Young, who was a former major league pitcher, and and not only did he did he ask Corey to to uh, to take infield, not because Corey Seager was in the wrong place and right. didn't know where to be, but because he they was- needed Corey out there to set the tone for the young group that didn't know where to be and it didn't. Uh, and I I really respected C uh, CY because of that and. Uh, and then I heard from what I heard, Corey was really on board with really helping these young guys out and, and understood why, 
that was being asked. And, you know, sometimes, guys, why isn't a disrespectful question? If someone asks you why, it's not a disrespectful. And it's your time to show them how much you know and how much you care, really. So I always like when someone asks me why, because then I get to tell them, you know, my thoughts and and uh, and 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 how and I get to share my knowledge with them, and they can share something back with me. So it's a great it's a great conversation. So yeah, no doubt. Well, I think it's I think you've been a great guest, Trip, and, and you know, and I love the the message of of developing winning winning baseball players, that's right. not just baseball players. And um, that's what the good organizations do. That's what the good coaches do. Managers, front office, they believe in in developing a winning culture, uh, doing things the right way, not being afraid to, uh, to tell people with constructive criticism and teaching them how to handle constructive criticism. That was what, one of my big jobs. I always felt like I had to tell the guys enough stories and examples of great players that listened to some constructive criticism and it really helped them to get these guys to open up and, and, and accept it because in today's world, it's even harder because not many people have told them anything critical. And uh, you get into professional baseball in a good organization. You have to, you have to be able to do that, make them winning players. Have to. That's right. Trip, how do you want to leave the audience here? That's been a great show with you guys. We're closing in on an hour. We've kept you overtime with our show today. You got to come ready to go with Wiley and Will. They, they go all nine innings every single time. They, uh, what kind of message you want to leave our audience? I mean, your value to the game is, I mean, it's unquestioned. Uh, love the messages you gave today to kids, to adults, to current former pros. And your, your, uh, your model for relationships is exactly how it should be out there, not just in baseball, but in the world with adults to kids. But what kind of message you want to leave our audience with today? I think what I, what I really want the audience to know is that while I, I see the, negatives in the game and I see areas we have to improve the game but I'm not going to stop fighting the fight to make sure that um that the game is still being taught properly and and uh fundamentals are a big deal playing the game the right way is a big deal and 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 I don't think uh hustle and 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 things like things like that uh being fundamentally sound ever goes out of style and and I feel like we I'm going to keep fighting the good fight to uh, uh, to create winning baseball players, and and uh, I just hope that uh, uh, you know young players that are listening can can continue to learn as much as they can about about uh, how to play the game because it's a great game when it's played properly. It, it's a great game, and I think everyone on this call uh, fell in love with it, and that that's why we're here. So no it's doubt. a great game, and and you know can continue to learn everything and and, and continue to. Uh, to, to, to try to teach and play the game the right way. No doubt. I think that's phenomenal. And your, 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 the consistency of your message throughout this show. And, and I like it cause I, I get a strong feeling you are who you are. And I, I love that too. Hustle is non-negotiable with that. Yeah, stuff. It's not, yeah. Right. 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 And right. The, the, the playing the game the right way and going, you know, doing what's going on now, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. I mean, you can do things the right way, hustle, listen, be coachable and uh, and still try to mesh the, the new with the old here. So, but um, Mark and Will, any messages to leave the audience with today? No, I'm, I'm good. Great no, show. I think, I think we covered. Got it all out. Thanks for coming on, Trip. You gave us some great insights. Yeah. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Awesome yeah. job. To our audience here, make sure you give uh, Mark and Will 
on a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. Give them five stars on whatever network you stream us on, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Our newest one, iHeartRadio. We're very honored to be a part of that network, and it's thanks to you guys, our audience, who helped us battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we're doing in baseball right now. Uh, but we'll keep bringing you great content every week on 74 countries. Trip, if you weren't global before, you're global now. <laughs> Four countries, grassroots MLB front office. I think your message translates around the world. So thank you again for episode 291 here at Day at the Art Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Guys, have a great weekend. Great job, guys. Thanks. Tell